0: It's lovely to have you all here, even the people who have been begrudgingly forced to the front. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) Um, Yeah, my name's Shane. I am one of the people who co-heard this community, um, along with Rod, but Rod's been... Oh, Rod's here. Hey, Rod. Welcome back, Rod. Rod's been away. Lots of you were asking after him. You weren't, but we say that. Um... Welcome back, Rod. It's lovely to have you. Uh, We are in the middle of a series on prayer. We're kind of drawing nearer the end. We're making some ground. We've been talking about prayer for the last, I don't know, 100 years um, and six months or so. And we spent the first half of the series um, trying to work through our roadblocks to prayer because we have a very troubled community, um, beginning with me and (laughs) ending with everyone else. Uh, So we've spent a lot of time talking about who God is and how God might work in the world in a way that um, actually fits with our experience of God, um, in a way that um, we can view God a God that we can actually love rather than just fear, um, in a way that opens up possibilities for hope for us as a community without denying um, the tragedy of life. And so now that we've kind of processed a bit of that we're going to hold that in one hand and then in the other hand we're going to begin working through some practices that might help reinforce um, this view of God and help us give pathways um lots of us i was I was raised as a Pentecostal I was raised as a brethren and then a Baptist and then a Pentecostal um of course who um become Pentecostal because they've got all the hot girls in the youth group so um and as a as a good Pentecostal I learned a lot of shotgun prayer um I've just kind of very loudly yelling at God, which, you know, carried me for some time. Um, But when I got sick of yelling, I didn't really have any helpful formats for prayer. And so one of the things that we're looking through in this half of the series, um, some of you will be familiar with them and others won't, but we've been looking at some prayer practices. And um, we've been really lucky to have some people within our community be able to share um, prayer practices that are meaningful to them. Zara took us through some Taze stuff from last week. Um, And then Tamsin did some amazing stuff on body prayer and engaging the senses, which was really fantastic. Um, And then we've got a few people coming in from um, who were a part of our community and some who aren't a part of our community, but that we still trust. Um, And one of them today is Suze Campbell, um, who's a friend of Hemi's, um, and therefore a friend of Meg's and mine as well. Uh, Suze is a spiritual director and a mum and a wife and... um, all-around legend, uh, and also works for Global Interaction, which is um, a group of, it's a, it's a Baptist organization that deals in community work. Um, they're actually missionaries as well, but no one likes to talk about that anymore, so um, we say community work, um, and she's going to be sharing with us on um, the Daily Examine, which is a really, really helpful prayer practice, so um, I'd like to invite Suze up, and she's going to take it away. Thanks, Suze.
1: Shane, and it's, it's great to be here. I was actually here last night, um, not preparing, but at a trivia night, my son's childcare co-op hired the space, and we had a great night. It looked very different to this, um, but it's good to be back again and, and sharing with your community. Um, what I'd like to do this morning is share a little bit about um, my story of how I discovered this um, prayer practice. Uh, a bit about who I am, and then I'll go into a bit more depth of what it is. And I know that a lot of you, uh, or some of you, may have heard of it and be um, practicing it already. Um, bear with me; for some people, it's quite new. Um, and then we'll have a bit of time um, in quiet praying, the um, examine, and then sharing a bit at table. So um, that's where we're headed. So I moved to Melbourne about twelve years ago uh, from Sydney via Canberra. Um, and we moved here into Falconer Street right next door to Fitzroy High in one of the original North Fitzroy double-fronted terraces. Um, we rented the, well, we rent the top half and downstairs is another North Fitzroy original Italian nonna. And we have the requisite backyard chooks um, and we had for many years a huge veggie garden that grew enough broad beans and zucchini uh, and olives to feed all the North Fitzroy nonna's um, and we just embraced the lifestyle of this area. We enjoyed the great food and wine and rode our bikes everywhere and bought our crumpler bags and volunteered at the children's farm. Um, my husband, Tim, played footy down at Brunswick Street over with the Fitzroy Reds and we joined the Lord Newry pub-sponsored touch footy team and we joined the masses of people whinging and complaining about the service at the post office and, um, you know, spent many sunny weekends lying in our hammocks in Edinburgh Gardens um, and enjoying this beautiful community. In this time of new experiences with my new husband and my new job and my new city and um, a new career, um, I also was keen to explore expressions of faith that were different to what I had grown up with. My husband and I were um, brought up in a Baptist and Churches of Christ um, Churches in Sydney and we had sort of good, solid foundational um, teaching and um, camps and a whole lot of of good solid stuff but when it came to more creative or different or um, kind of alternative expressions of prayer and of connecting with God our experience was quite limited so we were willing just to see what was out there and um, talk to different people and ask a lot of questions and um, learn a different way of being with God we wanted to grow our experience of being followers of Jesus so we joined a house church here in North Fitzroy called the Living Room. That went for about six years, um, and we met with a group of people, young adults um, in homes in this area. And as a community, we looked at how to, um, well, we looked at finding God in this in this neighbourhood, and we looked at how we can um, grow and share our faith in ways that were contextual to this place. So we gathered at the Tin Pot to meet, um, we prayed around the neighbourhood, and we connected in with local community activities. And we experimented with some traditional and some new creative expressions um, of faith, um, which were very different to the kind of worship songs or the three hymn sandwich or the request list of prayer that I had grown up with. During this time, I also started meeting with a spiritual director. And this was basically an hour a month where I Spent time exploring with one other person moments of my month, of my life, everyday life, um, where I felt or kind of got a whiff of God, um, had mo- felt the movements of God in, in whatever was happening. This space created a very vulnerable and authentic um, conversation and was infused with contemplative prayer um, and it was a deep relationship that... Probably became the most important hour of my month, and something that I really treasured and looked forward to. And that's a practice that I've continued now for the last nearly 13 years. And as um, Shane said, I've also done the formation course, so I can meet with others in that way. And it's been a real life-giving place for me. I also discovered some other practices that um, well, I guess I sort of dabbled in, but um, tried and and spent a bit of time moving in and out of different ways of praying. Um, I found the stone labyrinth on the Merry Creek bike path in Clifton Hill and spent um, occasionally go down there, ride my bike there and um, wander through the maze of this stone path and um, pray through the labyrinth. We are so fortunate to have the only labyrinth on public space in Victoria, just a couple of k's away. I hope you are enjoying it too. Um, I also learned about the Lectio Divina, a way of praying... Through the Bible, where um, we just choose a short passage and read it over and over, and let the words wash over us and, and touch our soul, which was very different to the um, sort of um, more sort of exegetical slabs of text reading that I'd grown up with, which was good, but this was just something different. I also became acquainted with silence, and this is probably um, was and still is one of the hardest and most valuable um, things for me. It's a very Driven, active, um, extreme extrovert, um, doer, multitasker kind of person to be sit and to sit and be still and be quiet enough um, to hear the Spirit of God was something that um, is a big challenge. But I've had the courage to go on a few silent retreats um, and am beginning to love the everyday moments. Um, where I choose not to be overstimulated um, in order to be present to what's going on around me. In my life now, that looks like things like staying for the optional 10 minutes at the end of the um, body balance or yoga class down at the gym and just enjoying that space while the rest or half the class leave. Um, Leaving my phone in my bag or my pocket when I'm on the train or the tram just to be um, trying to walk a bit slower through the, the gardens. Or to drop off or pick up um, my kids. Spending the first 10 minutes of my day, you might laugh at this, but it's important for me (laughs) um, rhythmically stirring my traditional rolled oats porridge for the family rather than chucking the quick oats (laughs) in the microwave. Um, But just that 10 minutes of of being. uh, Arriving at a cafe 20 minutes before I'm meeting someone, just to to be still. Little moments like this just um, infuse through my day, help that um, calmness and that stillness. When I was growing up, prayer for me used to be all about words and a lot of words and a lot of prayer points. There's something, you know, in Microsoft Word there's a bullet point. There's something about me that takes me back to prayer points as a kid. I don't know where points became so connected with prayer. Um, A lot of requests and written prayers and prayer journals and diaries where we'd mark off where we'd um, where prayer had been answered, what i've discovered um to add to that or to build that or, or or deepen that experience is prayer through art and through music and through body and through breathing and through um, molding and through wood and through nature and knitting and poetry and a whole lot of stuff that has just been um, so rich and incredible. I'm just thankful that this is a lifelong journey, and that I have so much more to discover so that's sort of a bit of about where I've come from and, and the awareness examine is just one little way that I've sort of discovered over that time that I dip in and out of um, and I might use for a month or two months or whatever and then um, go on to something else because I get a bit bored pretty quickly um, but it's something that I've found really valuable so any comments or questions on what I've said or can I launch into Awareness Awareness Examen. Well, I'll carry on. Just um, who's heard of the Awareness Examen? Okay, a couple of people. Yep. Cool. So a bit of background. This prayer was first started with St. Ignatius of Loyola, who was born 525 years ago. So my recent discovery <laughs> of this um, Awareness Examen has been practiced for over 500 years. St. Ignatius was the youngest of 13 children, born of minor nobility in Spain. His mum died soon after his birth and he was raised by the local blacksmith's wife. As a young man, St. Ignatius was inflamed with ideals of women, wine, knighthood and chivalry. He is said to have had a tremendous desire for fame. Maybe not, maybe this... Generations, Gen Y or Gen Z, maybe <laughs> something a bit of Ignatius in him. At 17, he joined the army. Got a few props here. Got kids. Used to be a primary teacher. He joined the army, and one biographer wrote that he strutted around with his cape slinging open so that people could see his sword and his dagger and his shield. Strutted around the town. His tight fitting hose in his boots with the dagger at his waist. According to another biographer, they said he was a fancy dresser, an expert dancer, a womanizer, sensitive to insult, and had a rough, punkish was a rough, punkish swordsman who used his privileged status to escape prosecution for violent crimes he committed during carnival time. Sounds like a dick. <laughs> Upon encountering a Muslim who denied the divinity of of Jesus, he challenged him to a duel to the death, and of course obviously Ignatian won, and he dueled many other men as well. You get the picture. However, 1521, a battle against the French, a cannonball hit him in the legs, um, and it seriously wounded one leg and he broke another leg, and he underwent several surgeries, all without anaesthetic, where they... Um, broke and rebroke the bones, and it was terrible, and he was forced into a lengthy recovery at home in bed. And because the um, medical uh, staff own, um, came from a religious tradition, he just had two books that he could read, that's all he had to read for months and months on end. One of the books was about the life of Jesus, and the other was about the life of the saints. And apparently, in St Ignatius' daydreams and his ponderings during this convalescent time, his thoughts formed two patterns. One was about romance and battles and heroism of his life. And the other stream of thought was about Jesus and about service and about love. And during this long period of time, he experienced quite a conversion as he noticed that when he considered Jesus and service and love, he felt nourished and encouraged um, and when he... Was pondering his old lifestyle of the women and the wine and the romance and the battles, his joy was very short lived. As he recovered, apparently one night in an all night vigil, um, he had a vision and then he laid down his sword and his shield and his cape at a, um, a model of Mary and he devoted his life to serving Christ. This once arrogant nobleman begged for food. Um, so he could live and he started teaching young children the Bible and he volunteered in hospitals. He learnt Latin alongside school children um, so that he could study scripture and he went on to write a famous book called The Spiritual Exercises and this book has been translated and translated and translated and is now used all around the world today. And he um, got a little group of six fellow students um, and they became the first members of the Society of Jesus, which is now what we know what is known as the Jesuits. Um, and he conceived that this group of people would be contemplatives in action. And the impact in, even in our community in Melbourne of the Jesuits over all this time has been significant. There's the Campion um, Jesuit Spirituality Centre on Studley Park, Um, And they regularly lead people through the 30-day retreat of the spiritual exercises that Ignatius wrote about. And the Jesuit social services are are providing a um, service to our community, um, with the poor and vulnerable. So he kind of um, began this awareness examine practice of prayer. Well, people were praying before then, obviously, but this has been attributed to him um, over 500 years ago. And it's basically a very, very simple way of praying that brings our attention, as it did to Ignatius, to what brings consolation, or life, and what brings desolation, or lack of life um, in our experience. It's a very, very simple way of praying, and that's why I like it. So basically, the examiner has four steps. Yep. Um, First, it's becoming aware of God's presence, and and this is not an easy step. (laughs) For some... They might, you're, you might, we might um, know how to, to do that easily. For some, this might not even be on our radar, um, or this might be a very um, hard thing to do. But often, it involves stillness and silence. Maybe it involves drawing, or journaling, or lighting a candle, listening to music, whatever. Becoming aware of God's presence and being still enough to listen and to pay attention. And the second thing is reflecting on your day. It's like um, if you take a lot of photos, just scrolling through your phone (laughs) of what you've taken photos of during the day or imagining a video player um, go back through the day of your experiences, your conversations, your meals, where you went, what you did. Um, Or you could imagine sitting on the couch with someone at the end of the day and just telling them what happened. How was your day? Just run through it. And I guess there's a recognition here that God knows and um, God is aware of and is with us in every part of our day. Jim Manny wrote a book about the examine, and he said, nothing in our lives is so insignificant that it doesn't deserve God's attention. The mundane and the humdrum parts of our lives give depth and texture to our relationships with God. Washing the windows and cooking dinner is as much as part of our experience um, as being in church. Where if it's part of our human experience, then God is in it. Another author wrote that the examine is rummaging for God. He likens it to going through a drawer full of stuff, feeling around, looking for something that you are sure must be there. We look back on the previous day, rummaging through the stuff of our lives and finding God in it and trusting and knowing that God is there. Psalm 139 is a great reminder of this concept, these beautiful words. You know that when I sit, you know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. So with that knowledge of God knowing us, it's about us paying attention to where we can listen and look and find God. God searches us and misses nothing. It's this, There is the noticing and the discerning and courageously a complete nakedness before God. So there's the um, being aware of God's presence
0: There's reflecting on
1: our day, and then the main part of the prayer is reflecting on the two questions, which link back to Ignatius, the Ignatius story. It's looking through all those experiences and asking for the consolation what moment led towards life today, and what moment led away from life today. They don't sort of have to be the happy or sad moments. Sometimes I think a, a moment of consolation might be sitting with a friend who's telling me about their marriage breakdown or something that's really hard but there's life there's there's conversation and community and being that's life um i had a, a moment of consolation yesterday and i saw the front page of the age there's this picture of a woman um who a 15 year old who was in mosul and just you know, terrible. To look at her for a moment, rather than skip through the paper to the things I really like, and, and felt really heartbroken by what is happening, and this heartbreaking for this woman who, you know, the, the um, journalist said we don't know if she lived or died. Dad was carrying her around, to trying to get medical help and get out of the city, but there was some consolation in that because even though it was terrible, I feel like for a tiny split second I had the eyes of God and a, and a heart of compassion for this woman. Anyway, there's many ways of asking these two questions and it's kind of like finding one that you connect with and then sticking with it. Um, For what moment today am I most grateful? What moment today am I least grateful? What moment was life giving or life draining? When did I give and receive the most love today? When did I give and receive the least love? You see the pattern. When did I feel most alive today? And When did I feel most drained When did I, when today did I have the greatest sense of belonging to myself, to others, to God, and to the universe? It's a pretty big question. (laughs) When did I have the least sense of belonging? What I do with my seven year old daughter at the dinner table each night is when was I happiest and when was I saddest? And for those who are parents, it's an amazing way to connect, or not just parents, with anyone, if you're doing this as a community and their family groups, to learn about. what makes each other tick. So you can see how this was inspired by the Ignatius experience of reflecting on what brought him life in his ponderings and what um, led away from life. In Richard Foster's famous book about prayer, he describes the examiners consisting of the examine of consciousness, and the examine of conscience. So in consciousness, it's a method through which we discover how God has been present to us throughout the day and how we have responded to his presence. And its implication is that we become more aware of our surroundings. We start paying attention. We start waking up to what is happening around us, knowing that God wants us to be present where we are. And then that the other side, the examine of conscience, is the process of inviting God to search us, search our hearts, We go back to Psalm 139. Later in the psalm it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We uncover the areas that might need um, heavy words but cleansing or purifying or healing. So they're the two questions. And then the last bit of the prayer is to look forward to tomorrow. And I guess this is where... um, I think the value of the examine is the repetition of it, of doing it regularly, because then we notice patterns. We, we learn more about ourselves, um, we feel more, we engage more. We come, become more aware of God's activity in our day and more aware of, of who we are and how we're responding to that. We recognize that we want to grow and foster and develop um, what we want to grow, foster and develop, and what we want to minimize or limit in our lives. Um, and slowly, we become transformed. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Slowly, over time, we become transformed, invited into new things. During the bombing raids of World War II, thousands of children, as you know, were orphaned and left to starve. The fortunate ones were rescued and placed in refugee camps where they received food and good care. But many of these children who had lost so much could not sleep at night. They feared waking to find themselves once again homeless and without food. Nothing seemed to reassure them. Finally, someone hit upon the very simple idea to give each child a piece of bread to hold at bedtime. Holding their bread, clutching their bread, these children could finally sleep in peace. Can we, we can't even imagine this, can we? But all through the night, the bread reminded them, today I will eat and tomorrow I will eat again. I guess the examine is a bit like holding the bread. Today I ate. Today I was nourished by being aware of God's presence. and I was impacted by it. And tomorrow I will eat again. Ignatius was em- emphatic about the examine. Um, he told his early Jesuit followers that if they, for some reason, um, did not do any of the other spiritual exercises, which seem pretty full on, I haven't done them myself, um, but he said, if you do nothing else, you should do this one examine and then as now the examine is a tool a spiritual tool for kind of sizing up our days and planting the seeds for a more purposeful and rich and vibrant and meaningful life i also love about it is that it's so accessible for paying attention to spirituality from people for a very broad range of faith experience um my atheist friend's A friend does this each day. She writes down things that she's grateful for. My seven-year-old at school at North Fitzroy Primary, at the end of every day, the class gather together and sit in a circle and they they call it um, closing something, the closing circle, Um, and they each share something that made them happy and sad that day. Um, And much of the increasingly popular mindfulness, gratitude and meditation movements... Um, have roots of very similar stuff to this awareness. Examine, as many of you would know. Um, and there's so much out there. If you don't remember anything I've said, just Google examine. And there's heaps. Um, I have an app that I use called um, Payg, pray as you go. Um, and there's some good little um, kind of led examine prayers on that. It's from the UK. Uh, there's lots of different things. There's a book called Sleeping with Bread that kind of um, where that story came from. That Describes them so we're going to spend five minutes today praying the examine for yesterday because it's a bit early in the morning you probably haven't done that much yet um so we're just gonna have a bit of quiet um and and do whatever you need to to um fill your soul um I'll put some candles in the middle come and just stare at a tea light candle if you want lie on the ground face away from the, the table if that helps you Um, If you've got your phone there, you might want to read Psalm 139, um, something just to be still. And then look back over yesterday, the conversations, the activities, the periods of activity, the periods of rest. Um, Try to remember how you felt, anything that jolted you, something um, where there was a moment of emotion, of joy or sadness, boredom or uncertainty. Perhaps something surprised you why that surprised you. What happened in you that caused you to surprise? And of all those experiences, think about what led towards life and what led away from life. And then I'll come gather you back together in five minutes. nice to stay there all day (laughs) um just take one minute to if you invite you to if you want to just talk to the person next to you um what was that experience like for you if you pray the examine regularly what impact has it made on your life or what might be some challenges for you in praying or what might be the invitation for you in praying this, examine or incorporating it into your um, your life as a practice of prayer? Just chat to the person next to you about one or all of those questions, just for one minute. Thanks. Well, I'm sorry to cut you short on that, but please continue to um, talk about that. And if you are, um, if you want to chat to me afterwards about any of the stuff I said, or if you want to point you in the direction of some resources or whatever, please come and, um, and talk to me. I just want to finish with a, a prayer by Walter Brueggemann. called blown by God towards newness. The news is that God's wind is blowing. It may be a breeze that cools and comforts. It may be a gust that summons you to notice. Or it may be a storm that blows you where you have never been before. Whatever the wind is in your life right now, pay attention to it. And the blessing of God, Father, Son and Spirit will abide with you always. Amen.
0: Thank you so much um, on behalf of our community. We really appreciate it. All the work that went into that, and um, yeah, it's such a great pathway. I hope you found that helpful. We'll, um, I work with Susan. We'll post some stuff on Facebook this week. um, Some resources if you'd like to follow along. I know you're pretty good at like taking photos (laughs) of our powerpoints. Um, Excellent (laughs) use of technology. But we'll post some stuff up.